This is The Fabric Podcast, and in this episode, it's Chris and Jenny Lillehei who are helping us ask the question, what if? What if our differences were to be valued? It's a chance to see how, as a community and as individuals, we might perpetuate the harm toward and miss out on the gifts of those who might be called neurodivergent. And it's a chance to wonder more broadly at how we value the differences within ourselves and between us. Hey Fabric, this is Chris. We are continuing our series today with the question, what if? What if is an important question for our community and for our people as fabricators, as people who enjoy the fabric community. And what if is about a question that engages our imaginations and challenges us to see the possibilities of what could be. We have walked through this question from a variety of different lenses and perspectives that we can see the world from. And it's been really cool to engage the world holding onto a sense of hope instead of a sense of hopelessness or fear. We've been able to talk about the big questions about life, uh, including homelessness, including car repairs, including all the big questions. And this series is not meant to paralyze us to think about all of the world's needs, but instead it's about empowering each of us to step into the spaces that we can possibly affect. Going through this series, the, a quote by Frederick Beekner came to mind for me. He says, the place God calls you to is the place where your deep gladness and the world's deep hunger meet. The place God calls you to is the place where your deep gladness and the world's deep hunger meet. It's a question that I think all of us can sit with and ponder for a while. What if we ask this question of ourselves? What if we unleash the possibilities of what this means? This question is about unlocking the ways in which we can serve out our calling, not just as individuals, but as a community. Together, we can celebrate the variety of different passions and gladnesses that each of us experience, and we don't have to find it to be a competition of whose is most important or most meaningful. It's not about finding a fix to all the world's problems or to be a superhero, but instead is about affecting the three feet of the world around us. This week, we are taking a particular lens, talking about the differences that go beyond the ones we can necessarily see, but the kind of invisible needs that people in our community and the people around us face. And so I'm really happy and proud to be inviting a person that means the most to me out of anybody in this world, my wonderful wife, Jenny, who is a a licensed mental health professional and just a passionate person about these type of topics. So Jenny, why don't you introduce yourself? Hello, thanks for having me. I'm Jenny Lillehei. I'm a licensed mental health professional and a board certified behavior analyst. I have over 10 years of experience working with children and families, and my clinical focus has been working with individuals who have autism and related conditions. I consider myself to be a lifelong learner, and I'm deeply committed to learning with and from others. Certainly not an expert here today, um, really just seeking to be an ally of the neurodivergent community. And regardless, I'm dedicated personally and professionally to creating more inclusive spaces and excited to have this conversation. Yeah. So, Jenny, tell me a little bit of what drew you into kind of this line of work and why you are so passionate about it. 
That's a really great question. I think I just love people and love being in community. And uh, like I said, just really leaning into inviting all um, and being mindful that differences exist and differences don't have to be scary. We can be curious about them and invite everybody um, into who we are and where we are. I love that. Uh, So we particularly wanted to discuss here on this podcast about kind of beyond physical differences because they're often unseen. And I think both in Jenny and Mai's experiences and the circumstances we've witnessed, we've realized that so many of those unseen hardships are often some of the hardest for people to deal with. And so tell me about that from your perspective. Sure. Working in the mental and behavioral health field, I've witnessed many journey the hardships of feeling invisible or pushed aside, um, or even that their challenges have been minimized because they're not seen or visible to others. So I shared, I primarily worked with children and their families, and I have heard numerous individual experiences of being discounted, judged, or misunderstood because physical appearance doesn't tell the whole story. I think in a lot of educational settings, we're learned to recognize what we can see and be curious maybe about physical disabilities or physical limitations, and mental health includes so much more than that. Um, And so what these families have shared with me is that differences often, again, coming out of a place of fear and unknown, people can ascribe things like bad parenting or lack of discipline or that personality deficits or being odd or weird. And I think we can be called to move past that um, and be a little bit more curious. I can imagine for those families and for those individuals, it's quite isolating. Like it, it makes them feel like who can they trust to welcome into their lives and their experiences because of that. Absolutely. I think it leads to you know seclusion, isolation, feelings of doubt, and leans away from community rather than leaning into it. I found that in a lot of ways, uh, those individuals and those families have to advocate for ways for them to just be a part of a community, and they have to advocate for certain needs that are probably a little more unique or a little different than some other families. And oftentimes I felt like those families or those people have been accused of wanting to be special or mm-hmm. kind of cheating the system. Uh, I know from personal experience, I had a learning disability growing up and uh, part of that learning disability is that I had to have extra time for, for tests. And I remember really vividly as a kid, other kids accusing me of cheating or discounting my learning disability because they felt like, well, why does Chris get that special time as opposed to me? And I just, I so vividly remember having to advocate in such a small way compared to some of these families that we're talking about or individuals that we're talking about. But it it really is just challenging to want to be a part of community when you have to advocate so hard for being a part of. Yeah. And in my work, I've met some incredible individuals and some just amazing families. And when we exclude or promote seclusion, I think we really miss opportunities to see the full beauty of humanity and really get to know um, really cool parts of our population. And so there's no doubt that including others that are different can be challenging and require more resources and certainly deviate from what we expect or what it means to win. However, a question that I have for us is what if we shifted our considerations of what interactions could be and how objectives could be measured? Um, I think that's a big question that we can continue to ask in different spaces. So I invite you to hold someone in mind who you might interface with frequently that might live in spaces of having to adapt to be included. While we can't know their experience, what can you be curious about and how can you help to better invite them to be their authentic self? 
I think that's a question that we can ask in our families, in our workplace settings, at school, at the grocery store, just as a good place to pause and be curious. I think that's so important because it's, to me, like, the idea of inviting others in seems really important to us as a community, but like practically doing that with an individual, uh, both, um, kind of makes the, the situation a lot more real, a lot more tangible than just the hypothetical of like, Oh, I'm, I want to commit to this, but I don't really know how or what that looks like. But instead of we take it to kind of more manageable bites, it seems a little bit more reasonable. Yeah, absolutely. And I think learning and being um, open to new ideas is a really good first step. So one thing I want to note is that while we occasionally do shift our behavior, I think everyone does it to match social situations, um, a term and concept that has been shared with me and that I've learned about is this concept of masking. So masking is a term that's used to describe the thoughts and actions that individuals engage in that support them to appear quote-unquote normal. Um, it can require a lot of effort, including preparation and practice, um, and the intent is so that when faced with social interactions or situations, there's this perception of fitting in or not being different. So for example, this can be rehearsing social scripts, forcing eye contact, and even restraining from engaging in like repetitive behaviors like nail biting or fidgeting. Wow. I, I am imagining like how hard it is to relate to other people when you kind of sit behind the mask. And while there's some aspects of this I can't really relate to, there's other aspects that I can really relate to of just feeling whenever I'm the new person in a situation I feel like I want to see how that community interacts and then kind of mimic what they're doing as, as a community so I can feel like I can fit in better. Yeah. And I would encourage each of us to reflect on what that feeling feels like for ourselves. And I would really encourage all of us to learn more and listen to the voices who are greatly impacted by this. Even if you do a quick YouTube search, you can really look into a lot of opportunities. Um, and again, hear from those that experience this every day or even written, reading written words, such as those written by Morgan Harper Nichols. Um, she writes at length about what her experience of being an autistic adult is and what that it was like um, being diagnosed actually at a later age and reflecting on her early learnings. That's awesome. I think it's an opportunity for us. Uh, we will include a link to that in the podcast info. So people can look that individual up and learn a little bit more about their experience. That seems really cool. So another question I have, what if we created more spaces where people could more often remove or put down their mask and be authentic? What kind of space would that be? As we think about that, I'm really excited because I think we're moving into spaces where this can be more of a reality, especially as we shift from places of tolerance or awareness to radical acceptance and truly deeper inclusion. With this, I have great hope of how we can become more deeply woven with all three strands and experience the fullness of God. As we were thinking about kind of having this conversation, one Bible passage that kind of jumped out to me was Ephesians 3, 18 through 19. And I think it mirrors prayers that I have, and it's that, and I pray that you and all God's holy people will have the power to understand the greatness of God's love, how wide, how long, how high, and how deep that love is. God's love is greater than anyone can ever know, but I pray that you will be able to know that love, that you may be filled with everything that God has for you. I, that's so powerful, and Really, if we are committed to this, it's not just people that 
it's not just the families that need to advocate for themselves, but it seems like all of us can take some responsibility for seeing some of the differences or some of the ways in which we as a community can commit to creating spaces that's really important. So it's not just the families or the individuals themselves, but it's us as a community advocating for ways in which people can be included. Uh, one of my favorite kind of ways to think about God is uh, a Latin term. It's Amago Dei, which at its essence, it's about each of us have the image of God within us. And the way I think about kind of inclusion in this way and embracing and welcoming people to be a part of my community, a part of our community, uh, it really makes me realize that I am able to get a more robust image of who God is and what this third strand can be and uh, how we can interact with it as humans and as a community. And it allows us to really experience what truly matters. I, I often think about those of us that have grown up around people that have uh, unique needs and especially children that have siblings. And I, I found that when I meet somebody whose sibling has a, has a unique or special need, there's something different about that person. And there's something just unbelievable about that person. And not to discount how challenging that can be at times, but there's just a way in which people that whose brains work different than mine have really been my most profound teachers in life. And there's some really beauty in that. And the word that comes to mind that's really important is there's a mutuality here. It's not just us going out of our way as a community to create spaces for people who don't think like us. It's their ability to teach me what it means to live a deeply woven life. And it is such a mutual experience. It's not like they're the heroes or I'm the heroes. It's we all get to be humans alongside of each other, which is really beautiful. And I, I often think we have this term as, as fabric of a sample size of one that each of us have our own lives in which we've lived. And so we all have a sample size of our one life. And we tend to think that that sample size is what is normal or typical instead of realizing that it's just normal or typical for us as individuals. And we've really committed as parents to this, right? Yeah. So a story we'll share is just that both of our children have received birth through pre-K um, care in an inclusive preschool setting. And it's just truly been beautiful to watch their classmates who have Down syndrome, autism, they may use assistive technology to communicate, whether that's a speech generation device or icons. Um, they've had friends with walkers. And all of those friends have become that, friends, peers, classmates. Their otherness is inherent to who they are, but it's not a difference that separates them and you know gets in the way of them forming meaningful relationships. And so as parents, we've been on this journey with them to not minimize the differences, but rather invite questions, curiosity, and have um, really deep conversations about bodies and different needs and differences. Through these conversations, we've been able to help them to ask better questions um, and make decisions to opt in to what they want and including all uh, and what it might look like to not include these people and the limitations that then has on those relationships. Yeah, I mean, they've taught me so much of what it looks like to live in a truly inclusive community uh, that I just am shocked by the ways in which we can learn from 
from kids in this way. So I feel like one of the ways that we can commit to this as a community is by understanding before this th- these things happen what what could this look like. And I'm thinking about when any of us are elevated, it becomes really difficult to connect with anybody. And again, that feeling of like isolation. So as a community, how can we focus on removing the barriers that cause others to be elevated when possible? I think part of this is committing to create spaces for people who might not experience the world the way we experience it. I think reflect on your senses, your sense of smell, sight, hearing. Not everybody takes in an environment in the same way that you do. So something we can do is being mindful of that and creating spaces that are curious about smell. Maybe we're aware of what perfume we put on or body lotion or shampoo. Those spaces, again, how are we setting up chairs? Are we you know, including different mobility needs and being conscious of that? And regulation, everybody needs to take care of their self in a different way. Some people fidget, some people need to pace, um, some people need to be able to stand up to take care of themselves. How are we being mindful that everybody's body is different and everybody's body is welcome and needed? So I often find myself when someone is trying to regulate in a way that I wouldn't necessarily regulate, I can to be honest, jump to some conclusions about them instead of leaning into curiosity about what, what that means. And so how can you give us like some ideas or some pointers or teach me like you always do about how to like move away from judgment of others and instead move towards curiosity? Yeah, I think you start just by what blanks are you filling in about someone and why? Um, why is that behavior causing you to maybe have a reaction I think in my learnings and my continual journey in learning, it's just reminding yourself that like bias and judgment isn't inherently bad. It's been informed by your education and your lived experience. And it's how can you learn from it? Be gentle with yourself and create new narratives and understanding of a world that's bigger than your own understanding. I used the word pause earlier. And so I think, you know, continuing to invite yourself of inviting those pause moments How can you create more of those where you go, huh, this is new. I'm feeling blank. Why is that? And then even taking it one step further with what is this other person in this interaction experiencing and how am I impacting that? I think another way we can challenge ourselves is thinking about words like should and ought and leaning into kind of that third way thinking, thinking beyond what we know and what we've maybe experienced. I think if we can do that, we'll be able to create more expansive spaces to learn, grow, and be in relationship. We were talking about this earlier this week, but if we limit things to be this way or a certain way, only people that can do it this way or a certain way will be included. What if we can move beyond that and envision new ways? It just strikes me as you're talking about how it really then challenges my own self-worth because I've adapted to do it this way. And so if I start to open it up what this way means, it means that I'm not necessarily the expert anymore, that I have to give up that possibility that the way I've been doing things or the way that I think is the quote unquote right way is no longer that. And instead I have to start thinking, well, maybe my way is not 
right or wrong, it's a way and how I can expand to allow other people to do it a different way that's not mine, which sounds really good in theory, but I'm just thinking about in practice that really challenges a lot of who I am and how I experience the world. I've realized uh, kind of throughout experiences in my life that uh, I talked a little bit about how people whose brains work differently than mine have shown me a little bit of what it means to be God or who God is. And I also have realized that some of the most fantastic discoveries and modes of communication that other people whose brains work differently than mine have done over the years have really changed what the world is, changed science, changed art, changed music. And that's really kind of cool. And I just wonder if those people were just ignored or dismissed or not welcomed in, we would really miss out as a society in a lot of ways. And I think by being the kind of people in community that holds space for diversity, for including people who aren't like us, we can truly be a community that is deeply woven with this God thing, ourselves and others in a way that's really kind of beautiful. Yeah. And as we continue this conversation, you know, more questions, not necessarily answers, but think about what makes you feel comfortable in a space. Is it knowing where to sit? Is it having the right temperature, having the right type of overhead light? Even in our household, we disagree about lamps versus overhead lights. I don't. (laughs) I I will also add that I think the pandemic and the introduction of like sit-stand desks has even been a way to help us learn about our own body awareness and movement. I'm excited to be a part of that next step to think about others um, and their human beingness and how we can do that more intentionally in our communities. Another question. Think about what makes you feel included and celebrated for who you are and all of you. I think I would invite you to share that and extend that opportunity to others. As we often say at Fabric, you are loved, lovable, and loving. And this is another space and community to carry this message to as we go out and share it with our community and the world. Thank you, Jenny. I'm looking forward as a community to continuing this conversation of what it looks like to be welcoming and be the kind of community that we all need and what this world needs. So I'm hoping this is just another step in that journey and kind of a not moment for that. So thanks a lot. Thank you. Thanks for listening. If you're looking for more connection in your life, stay up to date with what's going on with fabric and find resources to help you in your conversations and reflection at fabricmpls.com or searching Fabric MPLS on social media. Let us know if there are conversations you're longing to start or resources you're longing for to help you live a life more deeply woven.